Welcome to The Good Enough Mother. I'm your host, Sophie, and in this podcast, I offer you reflective discussion on all things motherhood, womanhood, identity, relationships, and grief, drawing on evidence-based information and personal experiences. You are listening to episode 13 on mum guilt. And I also want to let you know that today I'm going to release my empowered birth package through my website. It's for anyone who is pregnant or thinking about trying to become pregnant soon. And the package is basically a summary of research and information on why to plan for your birth, why birth plans can be important, an overview of care providers relevant specifically for Australia, but also applicable in broader contexts. There's a quick guide to natural labor stages, a resource link page, there's journaling prompt exercises, affirmation cards, and also a birth plan template. So if that's something that you're interested in or you know someone who may be, just head over to my website and click on the services tab. The website is drsophiebrock.com. So it's D-R-S-O-P-H-I-E-B-R-O-C-K.com. Okay, so mum guilt. It seems like experiencing mum guilt is almost part of an initiation process that you go through in modern intensified motherhood. The idea that guilt is just a component of mothering, it's really widespread in our culture and it's almost like a rite of passage. So, you know, oh, the mum guilt, isn't the guilt terrible? Oh, the guilt's horrendous. Guilt about everything, right? And it supposedly starts from day dot. Guilt about the decisions even that you made around circumstances with your birth. Um, guilt about how you choose to feed your baby or child, guilt about them spending too much time in the pram or the car seat and not enough floor time, guilt about whether their food is organic or made from scratch, guilt about how much you may or may not talk to them, guilt about leaving them in the care of others, for going back to work, for not going back to work, Um, guilt that you're neglecting your partner, your friends or whoever else is in your life in a significant relationship, guilt over too much screen time, guilt about not enough books, about yelling, Uh, guilt of going from one child to two to three to more. Mothering more than one child at a time is basically just guilt central because you're already split off into a thousand different directions and it's actually impossible to meet all needs of multiple children at the same time, all by yourself. Motherhood is supposedly just one big guilt fest and a love fest, obviously, because that's how we rationalize it, right? We say that love is what outweighs the guilt. You know, guilt is almost the price we pay for the love. And that even perhaps part of the love is the guilt. So are you doing motherhood right if you don't feel guilty? What kind of mother would it make you if you enjoyed leaving your child at daycare and you didn't feel any guilt for going off to work? In us saying that we feel guilty or that we are guilty, is it almost a way of humble bragging about our own high standards of attainment or near attainment as mothers? Perhaps these are challenging assertions, but I do want you to be challenged by listening to some aspects of this episode. Because I want you to come away feeling as though you've unveiled the truth on what mum guilt really is. I want you to have a greater understanding of the reasons behind maternal guilt. And I hope to encourage you to be more self-reflexive and aware of how you may experience guilt. Coupled with this reflexivity and this self-awareness, I'll talk about some strategies that you can implement to flip the narrative of guilt. To transform guilt in a purposeful way 
or to actually stop feeling guilty and start embracing ambivalence. But more on that a little later. So right now, can you think back to a time when you have felt guilty as a mother? I've mentioned lots of examples of scenarios where mums often feel guilt already. But what the common thread is that ties all of these experiences of guilt together, they can pretty much all be grouped under the same heading. That's the heading of not being good enough, not being enough, lacking, comparing yourself to a standard or a measure of achievement, whether that be through comparison with an external person or a standard or a guideline, or whether that be your own inner barometer of what you expect from yourself. Here I think it's quite useful to think about the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt, it's about negative self-perception and evaluation. So there's some specific act, behavior or decision, and then guilt stems from that. It's you reflecting negatively over yourself in response to something. Whereas shame is more of a negative reflection of self that is actually a reaction to public disapproval. An example of guilt is... I feel really awful about feeding the kids McDonald's for dinner versus shame, which would be, I feel really awful because Janet asked me if I was giving the kids McDonald's for dinner. So there's a subtle difference in guilt as self-regulation and shame as awareness of regulation from others. So you might like to think of it in terms of negative feelings about yourself. When it's guilt, it's coming from self-judgment. And when it's shame, it's coming from judgment from others. I do think, though, that a part of this conversation needs to be that we need to recognize self-judgment a lot of the time. It's based on social constructions, so it is based on external things that we're imposing on ourselves, and therefore it is something which we can actually work to let go. But I'm going to go into some strategies on this in a little bit. So one research paper from Sutherland in 2010 looks at mothering guilt and shame And Sutherland said that mothers experiencing guilt and shame in relation to their role as mothers is the most prevalent finding in motherhood research. When I was doing a survey of the literature for this podcast and I was looking through publications that I'd saved in regards to mothering identities and experiences of self, guilt was a key word that consistently arose in all of the papers. The experience and feelings of guilt was a predominant theme also among participants in my own research on mothering children with disabilities. I'll go into some details and I'll give you some examples from my participants shortly. This theme of guilt is huge. Sharon Hayes, in her book, The Cultural Contradictions of Motherhood, speaks about the guilt trap, where mothers experience vastly more guilt than fathers, even when care between children is equally shared. And think about it, how often do you hear men talking about dad guilt? How often do you see discussions online about dad guilt? Other key maternal scholars, Douglas and Michaels, in 2004 spoke about guilt as occurring in mothers alongside feelings of inferiority, exhaustion, confusion, fearfulness and anger. Adrian Rich, who is a foundational and key maternal theorist, said of mothers in her 1976 of Woman Born, Quote, the guilt, the powerless responsibility for human lives, the judgments and condemnations, the fear of her own power, the guilt, the guilt, the guilt. So you could pull many things out of the literature, but hear this. If you're a mum who feels guilty, you're not alone. There's a great quote by Douglas and Michaels from their 2005 publication, 
they say, quote, motherhood is a collective experience. We want to erase the amnesia around motherhood. We do have a common history. It does tie us together and it has made us simultaneously guilt-ridden and ready for an uprising. I think some similarities between these quotes from Douglas and Michaels and Adrian Rich is emphasising, yes, the reality of mothering work and the guilt that can come with that, but also the power that we have for mothers, the way that we can reclaim our position as mothers. And you know what? Mothers in the past did not necessarily feel the same guilt as we do now as modern mothers. Historical attitudes from the past as well have shaped the way that we feel now in 20, almost 2020. There was a whole genre, for example, of psychoanalytic thought which held mothers to account, purely to account often, for their child's development. Basically, the messaging is, don't stuff your kid up. A child is a reflection of their mothering, and if there's something wrong, in inverted commas, with the child, then the mother must have caused it. We can see echoes of this line of mother blame today, of course. Also, go back to the 1950s and think about the phrase, refrigerator mothers. An awful phrase. So refrigerator mothers referred to the theory that children with autism had their autism provoked or caused or induced because their mothers were lacking empathy or were supposedly cold towards them. Of course, this has been discredited, but echoes of this mother blame continue and it's what contributes to experiences of maternal guilt today. I remember one of my research participants, and this was seven or eight years ago, she said to me something to the effect of, my biggest fear is that my children will be sitting in a therapist's chair one day saying, well, it all started with my mother. And I've heard iterations of this so many times, this fear that we are going to be the cause of our child's discomfort or dysfunction or challenge. I think, too, these comments say something about our own relationships with our mothers. So whether you have or whether you want to or whether you need to be sitting in a therapist's chair saying, well, it all started with my mother. Embedded into this discussion is the realization that we are comparing ourselves to an idealized image that we've formed. Maybe this image isn't even of ourselves. Maybe it's this fantasy woman or maybe it's even another mother that you know. Researchers Liz et al. from their 2012 publication explain this as self-discrepancy theory. So it's a way of understanding guilt and shame, where basically these emotions all come back to being scared about the judgment of mothers and comparing yourself to an idealized version of yourself or of someone else that exists only in your head. Because there is no idealized person. There is no perfect mother. The Lisette Owl study results are literally framed and discussed in reference to, quote, the detrimental effects of internalizing in idealized standards of perfect motherhood. These standards that are constructed and made up, they are causing damage. I argue that the good mother myth is almost entirely responsible for feelings of maternal guilt. It's about patriarchal motherhood. It's the institution of motherhood. It's what I've referred to in many other episodes of this show, and it's what I want us to tackle, to dismantle, to reimagine, and to rebuild, not only to make our own experiences of motherhood more fulfilling, less fraught, and to reclaim our power as mothers, but to do this for future generations of mothers and parents. In my own research, I found that it was when participants judged themselves in response to good motherhood ideals and myths 
that was when they started to feel the guilt. The ideals of perfect motherhood are impossible for one mother to meet. When you judge yourself against these extremely high standards of what you should be doing and how you should be mothering, you're setting yourself up to fail. You're setting yourself up to feel guilty. You're setting yourself up on this never-ending cycle because the more guilt you feel, the more you chase the good motherhood ideal, the more you'll fall short and the more guilt you'll experience and on and on it goes. But what does guilt actually serve? Well, it does have potential to be transformative and motivating, but the dangerous aspects of guilt is that you are participating in a cycle of self-censoring judgment. It keeps the myth of ideal motherhood going and it actually distracts you from the present moment and from your child. So in some ways, I think perhaps guilt can sometimes be self-indulgent. Repeatedly berating yourself and reliving an incident or a moment that provoked guilt or almost bathing in the guilt, when you've done that, what has it actually achieved? It's just made you feel bad about yourself. You feel devalued. You're looking for validation from others. You aren't mothering from a place of confident leadership. You're mothering from a place of less than, of lack, of thinking you need to do something or behave in some way to make up for the parts that guilt is eating away at you. Of course, this is not referring to initial expressions of guilt or debriefing or talking through our emotions. It's referring to when we get stuck on a looping pattern of guilt and shame as an embedded and repeated part of our mothering experience. So again, it is about when we get stuck in a guilt, loop and shame cycle. And this cycle perpetuates the very structures that are designed to keep us feeling guilty. I'll give you an example from my research. Part of the good mother myth is the idea that mums should be self-sacrificing. So this idea that you need to devote yourself completely to your family, everyone else comes before you do, a good mother always means you come in last, doesn't it? You take care of everyone else and heaven forbid if you actually did something for yourself and you put yourself before your children. One of my participants spoke about how she would love to go on a holiday but she just couldn't because she'd feel too guilty. So the only way she was able to have a holiday or a getaway was by organising a fundraising event that required her to go away. When I asked if she could have planned this as a holiday without the fundraiser, she said, oh no, I'd be too guilt-ridden if I did that. When I was interviewing another participant, we were in her home, and she said, quote, I think I'm selfish if I do anything for myself. I really do. My husband's out playing lawn bowls at the moment. My son's playing Xbox. Cindy, her daughter, is out on an activity with a group that takes children out and my other daughter is out with her friends. I would come home and do the ironing if you weren't here. And I think about having coffee with someone and I think, oh, but there's ironing to do and this and that. This goes back a little bit to what I was talking about last week in terms of emotional labour and being the household manager but it also speaks to the ways that mothers impose these regulatory standards on themselves too. That's not to heap blame on women, because we're recognising the causes structural here, but it is to say, let's recognise the structural causes, and then let's open the conversation up about taking our power back around these experiences. So how can you flip the narrative of guilt? I'll give you three different responses here. The first is to ask what your guilt is calling you into. The second is to reframe your guilt as serving your sense of agency as a woman. And the third is to replace your guilt 
with ambivalence. So the first, what is your guilt calling you into? When you're feeling guilty about yourself, examine why. Ask yourself if you can turn your guilt into a catalyst for change in a positive way. A psychologist and researcher, Roy Boomeister, led a research team in studying the way that guilt can be useful, and they found that it can be a catalyst to strengthen social bonds and attachments. So in other words, guilt can be used as a way of invoking and exercising empathy and therefore sparking a change in behaviour. So guilt can be our inner selves talking to us, letting us know, hey, we're steering off course here, remember your values, what's going on? We see our role as a mother as something of value and one of our top priorities, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, and even if we've done away with the stifling requirements of perfect motherhood, there are certainly mothering experiences that we want to embrace in prompting healthy patterns of attachment and engagement with our children. I know, for example, that I don't want to yell at my child. So in a moment where I have yelled, and it's been kind of an inappropriate response, I've immediately felt guilt over that. I don't linger on that guilt, though, because that's not useful for me or for my daughter, But I see it as like waving a little red flag to myself saying, all right, this is something that I want to change. This is something that I want to work on. So in other words, guilt can be a flag and a motivator to try and change behavior that we feel isn't in alignment with how we want to parent. Linked to this, guilt can also be a motivator for reparation to take place between ourselves and our children. Again, it's how we respond to the feeling and the emotion rather than the feeling itself that's important here. Because if we get stuck on the feeling side of it and we don't actually translate it into something useful or motivating or constructive, then guilt becomes destructive. Working through our guilt and acknowledging the ways we'd like to change or make adjustments to a situation or a circumstance can be a step towards healing and a healing relationship with your child or with others. Your actions and conversations with your child aren't centered on yourself, inadvertently positioning yourself as victim and your child as a needed healer, but you are showing up authentically and modeling this for your child as well. So instead of guilt being a way to punish ourselves, a way to stay stuck in this loop of our own stories about ourselves that swirl and swim around in our heads, or being something that we like to judge our self-worth for, actually let's flip this. Become self-aware when you're experiencing guilt and ask, okay, what is this feeling highlighting here for me? How can I use it as a catalyst for change and growth? The second strategy here is guilt as serving your agency as a woman. Okay, so when you first hear this, it might be strange. How can guilt be in any way serving my agency? When I say agency, I'm talking about a sense of independence, your individuality, your womanhood, your selfhood, your identity. Guilt can help serve your sense of agency as a woman because guilt reminds you that you are a separate person to your child. And in doing so, it's a step in the direction of your child recognizing that they're a separate person to you. To rewind a little bit on this, when you're a mum, particularly to young children, as I probably don't need to tell you, it can all become all-encompassing. There are these huge shifts that happen to our identities, our sense of belonging in the world, in our relationships, in our communities. For those of us who give birth to our children, we're literally physically connected and entwined with them. And this physical relationship continues on outside the womb, sometimes for years and years through breastfeeding, co-sleeping, or just the very real intimacy that a mother has with her children. 
you know these little people inside and out and it can feel like part of you is them and part of them is you. Of course it isn't like this for mothers and postpartum depression and anxiety can interfere with this sense of bonding and connection and I have to also say here that it is completely normal for this sense of connectivity to not be there from birth and for it to be something that you work on growing over time. But we get it, right? With motherhood and mothering children, there is this sense of wholeness and connection between us and our children. But what comes with this is that there can be a binary either or circumstance a lot of the time. So it's like we're either prioritizing our needs and neglecting theirs, or we're prioritizing their needs and neglecting ours. And these are the circumstances where guilt can often arise, because giving to ourselves is seen as taking away from them. But in giving to ourselves, in being ourselves, in being a separate person, in being an important woman in your own right, in being significant, being yourself is a gift to your child. Not only is it a gift, but it's an inherent and integral part of their own development as human beings. Part of this argument comes from Noleg Frost. She wrote a chapter titled Mothering the Other, psychoanalytic understandings of becoming a mother to a second child. She says that part of transforming mother guilt is for the mother to actually recognize and acknowledge their child as this autonomous and separate being, so mums can then regard themselves as individuals in their own right too. So guilt can actually be used as a tool to remind ourselves that, hey, my child and I, we're interconnected of course, but we are separate people, we're separate subjects. Coming at this from a maternal scholarship perspective, what I'm talking about here is subjectivity, and it gets to the heart of what Jessica Benjamin's work is all about. She's a psychoanalyst who emphasizes that a mother is, almost of course, it sounds a little obvious, but a mother is a person in her own right. And as obvious as it sounds, it's something which is regularly ignored, dismissed, and not recognized in our social construction of motherhood. But a mother this is what Benjamin says, a mother is trying to facilitate both connection and separateness in relation to her child. It's all about connection and separateness. So it's this inherent paradox, isn't it? That as mothers, we build connection with our child, but it's ultimately for a purpose of our child going out and being separate to us, going away from us. Benjamin says mothering is a process that's riddled with these paradoxes. And she says, quote, it's about maintaining the child's developing sense of her or his own agency and the mother's sense of herself and subjectivity. It's a complex and complicated process. So guilt is part of this process. That's what I'm getting at. When you are feeling guilty, look at it with curiosity and think, okay, how is this serving a purpose in helping me and my child? How is this serving a purpose in helping me put up and recognize some boundaries between my child and I? where you end and where your child begins. So we've had the first strategy, which is ask what your guilt is calling you into. How can you use it as a catalyst and a motivator for change? Number two is think about how guilt is purposeful in reminding you of and encouraging your own sense of identity separate to your child for both you and for your child's sake. And number three is replacing your guilt with ambivalence. So it might sound strange to want to embrace ambivalence. Why is ambivalence any better than guilt? Well, because it's an extension of what I've just spoken about. 
the importance of recognizing your own self and identity as a mum and also embracing as normal the absolute whirlwind of paradoxes and conflicts that motherhood likely brings. Ambivalence is defined as the existence of both negative and positive emotions in mothers. These emotions are not only in relation to their children, but also towards the very role of being a mother. There has been the tendency in psychological and some psychoanalytic traditions to view the mother as just the background to the child's developing self. So why pay attention or be interested in the feelings of mothers? It's done often for the purpose of figuring out how the mother may or may not impact her children. This is, was part of my motivation in my PhD research is looking at women who mother children with disabilities, not just because of their purpose in facilitating or not their child's development, but actually as a person in her own right. We need to think about and give voice to mothers' feelings in their own right. As Lazar said back in 1997, the only thing which seems to be eternal and natural in motherhood is ambivalence. You can feel both things at the same time towards your children. They can swell in you the deepest surge of love and connection. And in the very same day, perhaps the very same hour, perhaps even the very next moment, they can erupt in you feelings of intense dislike, even hate, anger, annoyance, frustration or rage. In simpler terms, culturally, we talk about children as knowing exactly how to push our buttons. But, you know, then it's like, oh gosh, but don't you just love them so much? I think this is a really sort of soft way of pointing to this type of ambivalence. So some ambivalence in motherhood, it's completely normal. And it's not just normal, it's expected. Theorists such as Winnicott, who coined the term good enough mother, actually argues ambivalence is important for the child's development. It's how the child will come to accept the reality of what the world is like and of what relationships are like. So think back to the first episode of this podcast where I talk about what the good enough mother is and why being good enough rather than perfect, because as we know that doesn't exist, why that's actually important, nourishing and supportive of our children and of ourselves. Maternal ambivalence is part of this. And some scholars go one step further than this and say, Not only is maternal ambivalence important for children to experience, but it's actually important for a mother's development. Rosika Parker's theory of maternal ambivalence says that when a mother integrates maternal ambivalence, she's able to grow herself. As Baritza talks about, women have the unique opportunity for reformulating and transforming themselves through the act of mothering their children. And this is what conscious parenting is all about. Okay, so if we accept maternal ambivalence as a normal and healthy part of motherhood, how do we actually make that leap from guilt to ambivalence? What might help explain this are some results from research done on mothers who experience both these emotions. Researchers Tuval Masanak and Shadovitz Gurman, again, message me if you want me to send you the references. They interviewed Israeli mothers of young children And they found that how ambivalent these mums felt about their children and their role as mums directly related to the concept of ideal motherhood or the good motherhood myth. They also found that the mothers who ranked as the most ambivalent, so the women who had the most experiences of of this paradox of emotions, they also described less guilt. They were better able to balance their own needs against their children's. They had better perceptions of themselves as mothers and they felt a greater sense of overall well-being compared to those mums who didn't describe feeling ambivalent. 
The group of women in this study who fared the worst were those who prescribed heavily to the good mother myth. These women lacked expressions of joy, satisfaction and fun, and they experienced great difficulty in their mothering. The researchers said, quote, it should also be noted that constant comparisons with other mothers and a heightened sensitivity to social expectations and to others' opinions about the right way to mother seem to have added fuel to the fire of these women's distress. The gap between the ideal mother and how motherhood really is, it's just too big of a gap. A key finding from this research was that the ability to experience and express ambivalence is connected to a mum's well-being and their capacity to separate from their children. So when you accept that you will feel conflicted, you will feel ambivalent, you will feel paradoxes and complexities, which yes, include those feelings of frustration and anger and annoyance and even apathy sometimes, that this acknowledgement and acceptance actually allows for a more fulfilling, enjoyable and rewarding version of mothering. So through actually taking guilt, deconstructing it and reframing it or replacing it with a sense of ambivalence, you can take the sting out of it. You can recognize that the social and cultural made up expectations of perfect motherhood are just that, they're made up. And you can see how these constructions are playing out in your everyday experience of motherhood. So take back your power by pushing back against these constructions. So the message to take away from this podcast, if you experience mum guilt, reframe your understanding of it, get curious as to its origins and influences, and ask whether it's really justified or whether you're judging yourself against the impossible standards of perfect motherhood. Shake off the shackles of judgment, whether it be from yourself or from others, and develop a personalized and flexible and ever-changing model of good mothering. Because in a model that you create for yourself, there is room for all of these different emotions and for ambivalence. Start a dialogue with yourself and with your guilt and ask why it is there. Think about how you can reshape the purpose of this guilt and what changes it may call you into. And reframe your guilt as a reminder that you are an individual woman with her own needs, her own wants, her own desires, her own self that exists outside of and beyond the mothering role and replace the guilt with ambivalence as a normal and actually healthy part of development for both you and your child. I hope you've resonated or connected with something from today's episode. Please reach out and connect with me on Instagram at The Good Enough Mother or through my website, drsophiebrock.com. Thank you for joining me.